richer and deeper every day. Amen. But it can never match his love he has for us. God bless you all, each in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to be gathered with you. It's good to see your smiling faces. God bless you. I just want to sing a few songs before we open in prayer. I was thinking, our God is tremendous. It's number 1300. When I'm in need, I call on the Lord. Are you in need tonight? I sure hope so. I know I'm in need. We've got so many things going on. Amen. But the Lord can take care of each and every one of them. Amen. When I'm in need, I call on the Lord.
tonight, you're in the right place. You can have that same atmosphere we have here in your in your own home. Just pray that the mighty Holy Spirit would come down and just touch each and every life. Amen. We just have a testimony and we have a prayer request. I'll read the testimony. It's from our brother Peter Rekadroka. He says, I would like to thank the saints for their prayers. My eye surgery went well. And then in reference to the eye chart, he said he went from only reading the top letter to reading the second last line. Grateful to the Lord for his healing touch. Amen. Thank you, Brother Peter. God bless you. We also have a prayer request from Sister Esther Solomon, asking the saints to remember her. God would touch and heal her. She has high blood pressure that has led to too many strokes. Even though she's on three medications, it seems to still be high. We'll just pray that that God would just intervene and, and, and take take over where the medication has failed. Amen. We know that God can meet each and every need. And if you have something on your heart tonight, something that's gone awry, something that's not working the way you thought it would, it's okay. God is here to just meet every need. Amen. Let's just pray. Lord, we're here tonight. Lord, you know the circumstances. It matters not if we're maybe alone in our room by ourselves, listening to the service, if we have a family, if there's many of us gathered. Lord, you can come and divide yourself amongst the believers wherever they are wherever they might be and whatever condition they might be, Lord. Lord God, we just pray for your grace. Lord, as we prayed, we just, we need more humility. We need your strength to come down. We pray, Lord, that you would help us. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this testimony from Brother Peter. Thank you for helping him. We pray for Sister Esther, Lord. Ask that you would help her with this high blood pressure. And we also want to remember our brother Milko and the different ones that are just in need Lord we just pray that you would just continue to undertake and perform your miracle working wonders Lord so now we just want to commit this song service to you we want to pray for brother Tim I know he has a lot on his mind and a lot on his on his plate Lord we just pray that you would just help him Lord organize his thoughts and just preach the word in power and demonstration we ask it in jesus name amen amen why don't we sing number 585 come and dine the master calleth jesus has a table spread amen jesus has a table spread where the saints of god are fed he invites his chosen people come and dine And supplies our every need. Oh, tis sweet to sup with Jesus all the time. Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. You may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude turned the water into wine. To the hungry cold now. Come and dine. Satisfies the hungry every time. So 
some narrow roads, carried some heavy loads, but I've never been alone. It's number 1155. Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for Calvary. Thank you, Lord, for loving. Let's start with the chorus. Thank you, Lord, for Calvary. Thank you, Lord, for loving.
Nothing I could ever say That could ever express the way I am longing to give Him praise Thank you, Lord, for Calvary Thank you, Lord, for loving me Thank you, Lord, for the things you do Thank you, could not come to where he was. He came to me. Let's sing 
Revelation song. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Just are in this 
atmosphere this evening, let's just bow our heads together as we approach Him, the King of kings, the Lamb who is worthy, who took the book and broke the seals to redeem the inheritance of the children of God. If you have a need tonight, your inheritance is paid for. Why don't you just hold that before the Lord as we go to prayer. We want to remember the saints in Uganda have asked to be remembered in prayer. Brother Stephen and Bally, they have a very large baptismal service tomorrow. And so they're asking that we remember them. And we'll remember that and your needs together here tonight. Heavenly Father, O Lord, our God, our King, our Master, our Redeemer, Lord, you are the lover of our souls. We are nothing without you, O God. We come before you through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you don't see us, but you see the blood. And Lord, we lay everything in our lives down under the blood this evening. And we come, Lord, not to claim our desires, but to claim the promises of the Word of God. You see the needs of your children, Lord. You are touched by the feelings of every infirmity. We remember them, O God. Lord, we just pray that as you look down upon our lives, may you see that which is needful, Lord. It might even be something that we're not aware of. But we invite you, Lord, to send the searchlight of your word throughout our lives. And bring us, Lord, to the place we need to be for what we believe is the soon rapture of the church. The soon catching away. We've come to hear your word tonight. Lord, we come, Lord, because it is a light unto our feet. Lord, it's more to be desired than gold. Lord, your word isn't just, isn't just yea and, and amen. It's more than that, Lord. It's more to be desired than honey. And the honeycomb, it's sweet tasting. It's joy. Lord, it's salvation to our souls. It's everything that we have need of, Father. We give ourselves to you. We pray, Lord, for this service. We pray for the service that will soon commence in Uganda. They're about nine hours ahead of us. They'll be stirring there in the morning time already. Lord, you have dealt with many, many souls over there. And Lord, we pray that as those souls go into the waters of baptism, like our sister did on Sunday, to receive true Christian baptism, Lord, may you fill them with your Holy Spirit. May you quicken every predestinated seed for the glory of the kingdom of God. And Lord, as we turn back now the pages of your word, we pray you'd anoint it, that you'll just direct it, Father, the way that it should go. We commit this service to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, musicians. That's all the singing that we will do. Uh, for now, and greet you all this evening in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good to be gathered together with you around the Word of God. And uh, we have a few people here that are running the service. We're glad for them. I'm glad I'm not alone. God bless you, Brother Sam. Good to see you. It's, I'm glad that I'm not the only one here. It's, you know, uh, I guess we've set the bar pretty low, haven't we? You know, at least we're not preaching from home. You know, where we're all by ourselves or something like that. So God bless you and God bless each one that's here. We're turned to the book of Hebrews chapter 5, where we'll start tonight. We'll actually uh, refer to quite a few scriptures this evening. 
Uh, however, I've asked the brothers if they would have them ready a little bit later to go up on the screen. Uh, and uh, I want to just say before, while you're turning in your scriptures, uh, there this coming Sunday there will just be one service, and that will be at 11 a.m. Just one service this coming Sunday at 11 a.m. The following Wednesday, of course, there'll be a service, but the following Sunday, uh, the service schedule is still to be announced, so you can uh, watch for that. But this Sunday, one service at 11 a.m. Amen. Hebrews chapter 5, and we'll begin it. We'll jump in actually at verse 8. The Apostle Paul is, of course, speaking to the Hebrews as he's, he's laying out here the the uh, molding and the maturity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, he, and we're going to jump right in it at verse 8. And he says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Notice he doesn't say he's an unbeliever, he says he's a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The Lord add his blessing to the word, you may have your seats. I want to speak a little bit on maturity tonight, this won't be... Uh, necessarily an evangelistic service, which I rarely preach an evangelistic service, but maybe just a little bit more of a uh, study of the message, the Bible, and, and the things that have been revealed in our day as we've come, of course, to this great hour of maturity in the church. We've come to a time that it's uh, uh, a time for the believer to lay hold on all the redemptive purpose of God and to uh, accept, embrace, and to live out. That's, that's what token life is. It's the very life of Jesus Christ that is lived out through the believer. Now, as Paul is speaking here in the book of Hebrews, as he, it must have been quite a thing for the Jews in Jerusalem to read this letter. It must have been quite something for them who were the first church. They were the church that was born on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 of them were born into the body that day. 3,000 received baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In addition to the 120 that were in the upper room. And, and so they could, they could say, we were here from the beginning. But Paul now lays these words out to the Hebrews and he says, For the time when you ought to be teachers, you need to be taught. A time when you should be ready for strong meat, 
I, it's difficult for me to say some things pertaining to the Lord Jesus Christ, pertaining to sonship, pertaining to obedience, pertaining to perfection. Because it was something that Paul was bringing out. And I want you to notice something here. Uh, and we'll, we'll maybe come back to it, I think. But uh, the word perfection, Jesus being made perfect by the things that he suffered, the same word perfect is the same word that is expressed in verse 14, saying them that are of full age. So them that are of full age are the ones that are perfect. Jesus said in the scripture, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. And so he's speaking about a maturity that is not just the father in heaven. It's not just the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's for those who have been redeemed by the lamb. This is a maturity that that is not something that that we strive towards, but it's something that the word produces in the believer. So Paul's speaking about it here. He's speaking that the church is maybe more shallow than it ought to be. All right. But he says there is a maturity. Now Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 13, he spoke of shallow ground. He spoke of stony places where when the seed is sown, it doesn't have much root in itself. Now that, that's not speaking of the believers because remember now Paul is speaking to believers. All right, and I want you to catch this difference here. When Jesus is speaking of the shallow, stony ground that does not have root and withers and dies in persecution, he's not speaking of the born-again children of God. He's speaking of those that receive the word, but it does not have a place to take root in their life. But Paul here now is speaking to people that are babes in Christ, that have not grown in the word and in the experience to the level that the Lord wants for them. And Paul, the first messenger to the first age, is expressing the word that 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 has brought him to a certain level of experience. And like any preacher, and especially like the messengers, the messengers are like the wave sheaf over the age. They're a representation of the maturity of that age. And we know that we have received a great wave sheaf in this hour. So when we saw God expressed in the ministry of Brother Branham, we recognized that that ministry was a reflection of what the whole church is to come to. It's not just for the messenger, it's not just for the ministry, but it's for each and every one of us. I'm speaking of the maturity, not the gifts, because the gifts are individual. God measures out to each one according as he will, but the maturity is for all. Amen. The entire crop must come to maturity. Now, what is maturity? I was talking to this a little bit in the uh, last devotion I took at school. Some of uh, you that are watching were there. And, uh, uh, you know, James deals with maturity in one way. Uh, and, and this maturity of perfection, he says in chapter 3, he says, In many things we offend all. If a man, if any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man. There's that word again, a perfect man or a mature or he that has come of full age and able to bridle the entire or the whole body. So James deals with it as offending not with word. Now, uh, uh, I want to get there. I trust we all want to get there. Amen. We all want to live there. We want to be of that. Now, it isn't 
that, the, that we will never offend anybody because the word of God offends people. And Jesus, even in John chapter 6, he refers to it as he's just saying, as he's describing, he says, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And then the many of the disciples, the scripture says, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying, who can hear it? And Jesus never said, I'm sorry I offended you. He said, he said when he knew they murmured, he says, does this offend you? He says, what if you see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? He says, you think that's offensive? Just listen to this one. <laughs> Amen. He's not, he's not taking it easy on you. Listen, is that, does that offend you? There's more word there. Does that offend you? There's deeper things that you should come become acquainted with. There's things that I would desire to teach you uh, as, as my disciples on how to handle the Word of God and how to overcome things. Even as Brother Branham says, uh, 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 referring to Jesus' words, he says, I sanctify myself for their sakes. He was raising a group of disciples that will take the gospel to the world. He was taking them into the depths and we call it of spiritual experience because we're born in a carnal experience. But in reality, the spiritual experience is what is meant for the sons and daughters of God. That is what is meant for the children of God. We are spiritual beings. We are the offspring of God. Can you say amen to that? We are meant to believe like God. We are meant to live like God. We are meant to hold and speak the word like God. We are meant to be just like our Father. Be ye therefore a full person, a full mature believer, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen. Faith moving within the believer. Brother Branham says in, in a message in Victoria, I would imagine Brother Biscoll is uh, streaming this this evening. He would have been in this service in 1962, I, I believe, in the message Perseverant. And uh, Brother Branham says, what if I was standing out here on one of these mountaintops starving to death? No one would give me any money, and a loaf of bread would save my life. And say you gave me 25 cents, and say that was the purchasing price of a loaf of bread. Those days are long gone, but uh, 25 cents in those days maybe was the price of a loaf of bread. And he says, you gave me 25 cents, well I can be just as happy with the 25 cents in my hand as I could with a loaf of bread in my hand. All right. So he says I could be just as happy with the purchase price. As I would be with that which is to be purchased. He says. I've got the purchase power of the loaf of bread. And the only thing I have to do is walk over to the store. And get me a loaf of bread. But right now I've got the purchase power of the loaf of bread. It buys a loaf of bread. And then he says that's faith. He says faith never looks and says I don't feel any better. Are you hearing me tonight? Faith never says, I don't feel any better. It says, I don't see any better. I don't hear any better. See, it rejoices because you've already got the purchasing power of your healing. 
Amen. He says, you're just as happy and you know just as well as anything that you've all, that you've already got it because you have the purchasing price of it, which is faith. Faith never turns loose. Then he says, I just thought I'd drop that along. Now listen, listen closely now. He says, I just thought I'd drop that along so that you can see it's deeper than what people just shallowly say, shallowly say, oh, I believe it. He says, it's deeper than that. He says, you intellectually believe it, but if you really believe it, everything in the Bible is yours. Amen. I love that. See, it's yours. Faith purchases. See, here it is. The goods is laying here, God himself in letter form. And faith in that word purchases the thing for you, brings it to pass, makes it to live. Amen. So what does it? It's your faith. So then it's your faith that affects your emotions. Not the circumstances that affect your emotion. Not the situation that affects your emotion. And we're all human beings. We, we all have been in situations where the temptation is to feel down. The temptation is to feel regret. And, and, and we all, uh, and, and human life has mountaintops and valleys. And there are, there are times of great inspiration. And there are times when it feels like inspiration is a long way away. It's, it's not discounting the human experience of life. But when faith looks to the word, it brings a joy from the word to the believer. Because faith says, that is mine. Amen. Now, again, we're just wanting to go a little bit deeper, I guess, than just the surface here. And this is why I'm starting here. He says, now, Brother Brown says, gathered in heavenly places, it also means more than just to be rejoicing in heavenly places. If you're really assembled in Christ, this is out of the questions and answers on the seals, by the way. He says, if you're really assembled in Christ, it's a fearful thing. Have you, I want to ask tonight, have you come to this service as a fearful thing? That this isn't just, oh well, you know, we're just going to, somebody's going to preach and we're going to be happy or we're going to be corrected or we're going to be this or we're going to be that. You know, don't take any assumptions. We need to come to every service, not just services. We need to come to the Word. We need to come to our relationship with God as a fearful thing. Not scared of God, but a fearful of reverence. Brother Branham goes on here. He says, standing by the angel of the Lord, you think you'd just be shouting and screaming. That's not it. It scares you to death nearly. See? So you see, there's a difference in just rejoicing and bubble dancing, which is all right. And then coming down to the real thing. All right. Now, Brother Brandon would often use the term bubble dancing as just staying on the surface. You're just dancing on the bubbles that are on the surface, he says. But when you come down into the... Uh, and, and when I say deeper things, don't think about mysteries or that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the realities of life in Christ. The realities of dwelling in heavenly places 
in Jesus Christ. So he says there's a difference coming down to the real thing. There's where the fear, it's a fearful thing. Not that you fear that you're lost, but you're really before angelic beings and the Holy Ghost himself standing there. Amen. That's the way every preacher needs to come to the pulpit. I do. And I I believe the other ministers do as well. We don't come here just to try and express some kind of an opinion. We come to express, if we can, if the Lord helps us, what is real to our hearts. I, I don't know how the other brothers are. I'm nervous the day before, you know. I'm nervous before I get my subject. I'm nervous in the, in the little office before. Not nervous of preaching necessarily. I don't have those kind of nerves anymore. But I'm nervous more to just say, Lord, I really want you to have the preeminence. I don't really want, I really don't want it to be me. I really don't want Tim Dodd to shine out. Cause when Tim Dodd shines out, you know, then that, that's not a good thing. And so we just really want to see God. But more than a public display, there's a private display. A private display of prayer. And I want to go to maturity in prayer. That's my subject tonight. The maturity of the believer reflected in prayer. We've seen results of prayer. Just recently, I I heard today or read today the testimony, Brother Henry is beginning to sound like his, his old self. We praise God. Uh, Brother Milko, I got a picture of him, I think yesterday. He's looking good. He would say, looking good, man. That's Milko's expression. And, uh, you know, he's looking good. And, and, uh, Sister Bev and, and Brother John and the different ones that are there. You know, we thank God, not just, not just for his healing touch, but we thank God for real believers that pray. Can you say amen to that? We thank God for each other. We thank God for the body. You know, it's it's because the children of God went to Him in prayer. When they heard that Milk had gone down, or Bev had gone, Sister Bev had gone down, or Brother John, or, or, or Brother Henry, or whomever it is. Anytime you hear of a case, it, it brings us into an attitude of prayer. That private place where we can go to God and prevail with Him. We want to be able not just to, not just to offer a few light words into the heavenlies, but to get beneath the bubble level of prayer and get down into a reality of it. Brother Branham said in Who is Jesus 1964, he says, you see, when you go to praying for somebody, something goes to taking place. We can say amen to that. He says, there's where you we fail, friends, not praying. Prayer is the keynote. Ask and you shall receive. You have not because you ask not. You ask not because you believe not. Ask abundance that your joy may be full. Ask and believe that you receive what you ask for. He's quoting several scriptures here. Several promises. He says, then hold on to it. Don't leave it, he says. If it's a promise in the Bible and it's been revealed to you that God's going to give it to you, hold to it. Amen. Are you holding on to it tonight? That's a reality that God is a reality in our lives. And when we go to prayer, we're not just going to prayer, just kind of send out some text message to God or something or 
just some kind of little message, Lord. Here's my text message. Remember Brother Henry or remember Brother Milko or remember Sister Bev or Brother John or Brother Tom or uh, I was thinking about Brother Tom and all that he's been through in the last year. Why do you pray for people? It's because you love them. All right. Brother Branham even said himself, he says, you know what? While you're praying, he says, what's the success of my praying? This is in the message love of my prayer for the sick. Here it is. I love you. That's what makes it. Why will he answer my prayers? Because I love him and he loves me and I got confidence in him. So love the Holy Ghost within us constrains us to pray for one another because there's a reality of relationship in the body of Jesus Christ. As Brother Tom was saying on Sunday, we're a family. We're the family of Jehovah who wanted to dwell with his family. And because we're all connected, when one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. There's a natural connection in there and it moves us. And I just want to get into it a little bit tonight. It goes beyond just a surface level. It takes us down into a reality of connection from a supernatural realm. Because faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. There are realities of the powers of God that are pulled from that supernatural dimension by a son of God, a daughter of God who knows their position in Christ and is able, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'll just say it this way, is able to prevail with God. There's a reality of prevailing in the mature believer. The Bible says in the book of James, it says, and these are familiar scriptures, but just, just saying it just to... Remind our, bring our, uh, provoke our minds, bring us to remembrance of these things. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. He says, Brother Branham said in one place, 1958, he says, God hears any minister's prayer. But then he says, anybody's prayer. You don't have to be a minister. All right? You can pray for the sick. God will honor your prayer. See, what is it? It is a faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Faith in a finished work of the Lord Jesus. In the message, believing God, he picks up that scripture. He says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Oh, if you only knew that in your hand, Christ gave us the authority with his name by being Christians, the most powerful weapon the world has ever known. Prayer. It even changes everything. Prayer changes circumstances. I got a call on Saturday, last Saturday, not a call, I got a text actually, uh, an old friend from another place, an older brother, and, and said, uh, are you studying today? You didn't know if I was preaching on Sunday? And I said, no, I'm just doing renovations. I says, what's up? And he says, my wife and I have been down for, with COVID for two weeks and we're really suffering. And, and so I said, I'll call you. And uh, I give him a call. And, and we talked on the phone and talked at length and encouraged them in the word of God. And, uh, and so I was really concerned for them hearing where they were at and how they hadn't had any relief for a couple of weeks. And I was questioning, you know, how, what, what they had had for medical attention. You know how it is when you talk to somebody, you just want to cover the whole picture. 
And uh, I said, all right, now, now I think we need to pray. And we went to pray and we stormed the gates of heaven together on the phone for him and his wife. And, and as we prayed together, you know, it just, just the Lord just gave us unction in prayer and just, we left it there. And I said, all right, now I says, pay attention to whatever the doctors tell you. I said, but now we've committed it to the Lord. Well, Sunday, Sunday, uh, I think it was after the service here, after brother Tom preached, I got a text from the brother said last night was the first night in two weeks I've slept normally. And today, he hadn't been able to keep any food down. He says, today was the first time my inwards have worked properly. So we say, praise be to God. Amen? We thank God that he hears prayers. Brother Brown says, not just a minister's prayer. He, be, he hears anybody's prayer who believes in the finished work. Prayer changes everything. I was so glad. I was actually... So concerned about the brother and, and the state he was in and his wife and knowing that they were just a tad bit older and, and, uh, I just thought, oh Lord, won't you just touch him? He's just such a wonderful brother and, and the Lord was merciful to him. I, I tell you what, I, I'm not just thankful for answered prayer. I just love the Lord. You know, there's something about answered prayer that brings a joy, doesn't it? You know, when you, when you hear Brother Branham, uh, praying for somebody and, and they're instantly healed on the tape, there's just a joy. Oftentimes, I've, I've said it many times, I know, but it often brings tears to my eyes. I think of that person's life was just changed for the better. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Brother Branham said in the message, desperation, he says, when a, when a righteous man, a good man gets in travail, quoting the same scripture, the effectual fervent prayer. He says, a good man gets in travail or soul travel or travail, either one. You see, he's, he's, he's actually breaking into the depths of it and says, this travail is not just some fleshly travail. He says, this is the traveling of your soul. This is the connection of something deep within you that connects with another realm. And it takes something beyond our day-to-day natural existence to do that. But when you break into that place, he says, he says, when that, when a soul gets in desperation, in travailing, an effectual, fervent prayer of a man that can show the token, it does something. Hallelujah. God has given us this great weapon of prayer. Jesus said at that day, you'll ask me nothing. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Hallelujah. You want some joy? There's no joy like answered prayer. Oh my, that's just wonderful. We could talk about the joy of our salvation and that's true. But, but I'll tell you what, when you go to God in prayer and you see the answer materialize, it just brings a, a great joy. Of course, Brother Branham says your faith is happy even before you see it. But, the, but to actually see it materialize before you, I'll tell you what, there's a rejoicing. Amen. There's, there's an excitement because prayer, you know, even the apostle Paul says prayer is to be instant. He says continuing instant in prayer in Romans chapter 12 and in Colossians chapter 4, he says continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Prayer is not something that is just to be, uh, 
to be, uh, how can I say, planned or scheduled, but rather it's something, it's the natural reaction of the son and daughter of God. When a situation is not going the way it should be going, I have a weapon that I can utilize, and it's prayer. And prayer changes things. It stops the situation. I've seen many, many times in life, I don't want to go into just personal testimonies, I just want to stay with the Word, but many times I've seen God come on the scene instantly in prayer, and many times He's allowed me to wait it out. Because there's also in prayer that it's not to be instant, but there's to be a faith that operates with patience. Brother Branham picks it up in the in the church age book, page 312. If you want to read it for yourself some other time, you can do that. But he quotes in the Philadelphian age, it says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Sounds like the hour we're living in, the hour of temptation. And Brother Ram says, what does he mean by the word of his patience? He says, when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless thee and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. All right. So God speaks, and, and when God speaks, it's, He doesn't always give us the clear distinction of exactly what time that's going to be fulfilled, or necessarily how the fulfillment is going to come to pass. It was only later that God instructed Abraham and said, you know, it'll be 400 years, your seed will dwell in the land, and God began to fill out the picture for him as he began to see it was in Isaac, and and that the blessing would be in the different pieces begin to come into place, look up to the stars of the heaven, count the sea on the seashore, and all of these descriptions that God began to show to Abraham as he began to unfold to him what Abraham believed. It didn't increase his faith. I think Abraham already believed it, but maybe it increased his understanding of what he was believing in and gave him perhaps more assurance, if we could say it that way. And so, Brother Ram says, you see, the Spirit is speaking about the Word of God which is given to us. We could take a whole service on that. The Word of God which is given to us. I think the ministers lately have been ministering on that. The promises of God, the inheritance, the rights, who we are, we're the elect, the book has been opened. The Word of God which is given to us. He says, to wait for the fulfillment of that Word required patience, even as it did in the case of Abraham. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. He was patient. And then the word finally was fulfilled. This is the way God teaches his people patience. Why? And Brother Man says, why? He's going to give you the answer here. If he fulfilled his word in physical manifestations, the very instant you prayed, you would never learn patience but would become even more impatient with life. I was talking to a brother this afternoon and said, I think the Lord's trying to teach me patience. And, uh, you know, that's how God operates sometimes. But, you know, there's different ways. And Brother Brown says, he'll let you ask for something, see it in the Word, let faith lay a hold of it, 
but yet it won't be the season yet for its fulfillment. So what what's actually taking place there is faith is identifying the word that is going to be fulfilled at some future date because faith is a finished work. I want you to catch this now. Faith is not so, well, I'm just believing God. No, faith is a, is a, is a reality. Faith is a substance. Faith says it's already finished. And so when faith projects a promise of God into your life, even though you don't see it, faith is giving you the, I'm just going to use this This as brother Tim saying it this way. Faith is giving you the prophecy. Of what is going to unfold in your life. That's why Brother Branham said. You hold a vision of yourself well before yourself. He says and you walk into the vision. Because faith is saying that's me. Amen. Faith is saying that's me. And I'm walking towards it. It doesn't matter what this body looks like right now. It doesn't matter what this body feels like right now. It doesn't matter whether it's responding right now. That doesn't make no difference. Faith says I'm going this direction. Faith says I shall be well. Faith says it's mine. And in the waiting of it is the building of patience. Amen. That's why God doesn't give you everything immediately. Even Brother Branham had to learn that early in his ministry as God dealt with him regarding what he called miracle lines in his early ministry. And the angel admonished him, stop doing that. Because it'll come to pass that the people won't believe unless they see a miracle. So rather than the miracles increasing faith, the miracles were decreasing faith. Hmm. That's what, that's the reality of what the angel was saying. It will actually hurt the people's faith if you keep trying to produce a miracle every service. Because then they won't believe unless they see the miracle. But faith sees it though it's so far off and claims it as a current possession. That's what faith does. Amen. He says, God gives us exceeding, this is still in the church age, but God gives us exceeding great and precious promises. He has promised to fulfill them. He will. But from the time we pray until the time we get the answer, we must learn to receive patience into our souls. For only in patience do we possess life. He says, may God help us to learn this lesson even as we know the people of the sixth age learned patience. So Brother Brown is, of course, preaching to Laodicea, the seventh age. But he said, this is what they learned in the sixth age. He says, we read the history of the lives of these great Christians. What a contrast we see between their lives and ours. For they were so patient and quiet. And today, we are all but overcome in over-impatience and haste. Amen and amen. Lord, help us. Amen. We want to be in that patience. Not just faith, but faith with patience. Amen. Lord, take us there that we might truly prevail in prayer. I'll just drop this one in and, and move on to the next section if the brothers had those those scriptures ready we'll go to them right after this he says in the message 1954 the prophet elisha he says sometimes we go off on a tantrum somewhere and not think about god not pray over it 
ask the Lord whether we should do it or not. And we find out our supply of blessings is cut off. Now, now, now again, we're just dealing with Christian life here. But I, I want you to catch this now. Because he's talking about the kings that went out and ended up in the wilderness without water. And of course, they, they, they had to dig ditches to get water. So, so he's saying now, he, say, he says, we sometimes do that. We, we, get a, we get ahead of what God or we get out of the original plan of God. But we're not lost. But we sometimes cut the blessings off in our own lives. He says, then we wonder sometimes, well, wonder why I can't have no more blessings. You don't watch. You let down in your prayer life. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Well, that's the more sign you should pray. More than ever. Then he says, read the Bible every day. Pray every day. I hope this is elementary to all of us. But I'm just reading it here. And really, I'm directing this more at the young believers. I'm directing this more at the young people that need to learn how to live an overcoming life. That need to know what it is, how to prevail. And the importance of prayer in prevailing. And I, I already apologized to Brother Tom before the service. I said, I saw where you went on Sunday and I knew this is where the Lord was leading me. And he was in prevailing. And so I thought, well, please have mercy on me. Yeah. <laughs> Forgive me, but we're here. And, you know, there is a reality of prevailing that the, only the believer knows in this powerful weapon of prayer. He says, read your, read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Don't make any decisions too harshly or too quickly without considering God in it. Ask him, shall I do this, Father? Ask him, is it your will for me to do this? Then see what the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Listen now. He says, He might not give you a vision, but He will speak to you in some way to you to let you know if you'll be sincere and ask Him. Are you hearing your prophet now? He says, He, he says, you need to ask God if it's His will, if He wants you to do something. He says, and He will tell you, He might not give you a vision, but He will tell you if you'll be sincere. He'll show you somehow what His will is in that situation. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Amen. So we, we, we have, uh, this reality within our lives and uh, as Christians and, and, and talking about prayer is almost like talking about elementary things, but I, I'm convinced that people don't really, uh, I'll say it another way. I'll say I'm convinced that not all people understand the power of prevailing through prayer. All right, the, the weapon that is given and how to effectually use that weapon. Because I told the young people as I talked about maturity at the last devotion that I had with them, I said, if you want to see maturity, I said, you are a mature Christian when you know how to overcome through prayer alone. I said, then you'll know you're a mature Christian. Because prayer is the greatest weapon that we've been given. Now, maturity. I want to just say this about maturity. As I come to some examples here. Are you still with me? Everybody's still with me. All right. Now, real maturity is, is probably not what we think it is. 
And the reason I say that is because if we think what maturity is, then maybe we can impersonate maturity. And maturity, we don't want a maturity that can be impersonated. We don't want a maturity that we can act mature or we can, we can do things that we see other believers do or we can get a kind of a recipe for, uh, how mature Christians act. And if we act that way, that makes us mature. I'll say Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered and being made perfect or being made complete or a full age, or fully mature, you can put all of those words in there. There had to be a process he was put through in his life by the Holy Spirit to bring him to a level of overcoming, and just the same as it is with ours, we must come to a level of overcoming within our lives, because the promises are only to the overcomers. Can you say amen to that? It's only to the overcomers. I don't want to be less than an overcomer. I want to be fully an overcomer by the word of the age and the full maturity that a believer is meant to be in. And when we, when we are able, as I've already said, to prevail in prayer, that prayer is not just supplication and thanksgiving, but prayer becomes a weapon. And that's what Brother Tom was speaking on with, I think, nail it was the word. And it becomes a weapon. Nail the devil down. Tack him down. When you know how to go on your knees. Doesn't even have to be on your knees. But when you know how to go to prayer. When something happens. And your immediate reaction is. I've got this. Because I've got prayer. I know how to do do this. I know how to handle this. Not that I've got the answer. But I know the one who answers prayer. Amen. And, and that becomes a reality within your life. God wants his children to prevail. Amen. God wants you to prevail. And not to just beat at the air. Not to just recite platitudes of, of prayers. Not to, to use Hail Marys or whatever it is that different people use. Repetition all the time and just say, well, I just repeat these things when I pray. No, it's to go into communion with God and to overcome the enemy by your relationship with Almighty God, knowing that you're His attribute, you're His offspring, you're His son, you're His daughter. He cares about you and you care about Him and you love Him and you love His Word and He loves that you love His Word and He knew that you would love His Word before the foundation of the world. That's why your name's written there and that's why He sent the Word by your way that you could love it and appreciate it and make it your life and be everything that the word has called you to be you know when we think of prevailing we often think of Jacob in the Old Testament how that he you know he come into a uh, situation in life and he had been through of course he had got the blessing in many many places brother Branham says he thought to get the blessing was enough and so he got the birthright, he got the blessing, he ran into the wilderness, he spent 20 years under Laban for his two wives and, and another six years of wages and 14 years for the wives, six years for wages, 20 years. And now he's going back, he feels a pull to go back to the land of promise. And so he's, he's heading back to the land and he arrives at the, at the brook and he hears a report, 
Esau is coming with 400 men to meet you. And so now that throws, Brother Bram deals with this in detail in the message, desperation. And, and, and now that throws Jacob into desperation. And he, he, he does all that he could do in his own thinking to fix the situation. But God will put us in situations that is beyond our ability to fix it. Can you say amen to that? He will put you into a situation where you can't solve it. Because He wants you to prevail in a supernatural way because you are meant to be a supernatural being. You're meant to be an amateur God upon the earth. You're meant to be, Brother Branham says, a Messiah. You're meant to walk in perfect faith of what the Word says you are. That as the Word was made flesh in Jesus Christ, so is the Word made flesh in you. This is not something for preachers, for the messenger, for somebody else. This is for you. This is a reality of your life. That you, God has called you to prevail. God has given you a sphere of influence. God has given you a realm to live in. They don't have to be the pastor. You don't have to be the associate pastor. You don't have to be the deacon or the trustee or whatever more it might be. You don't even have to be the head of the house. God has given you a place in this world. And he wants you. He's empowered you to overcome and defeat the devil in every situation. Hallelujah. I'm so glad he gave that to me. I'm so glad he trusted me. Aren't you glad he trusted you? Amen. He trusted you. He says, I know my seed. My seed shall possess the gates of their enemies. Amen. My seed will overcome the enemy. My seed will not fall like Eve fell, like Israel fell. This seed will produce the promise of the word. And God sets us in situations like that. And Jacob found himself in that situation. Genesis 32 and 24. And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, the angel saw that he prevailed not against Jacob. He touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, the angel said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and has prevailed. Hallelujah. Jacob, you don't even understand how much power you have. You don't even comprehend God's thoughts towards you. You know, God uh, inspired Jacob to get the birthright, to get the blessing. God met him at Bethel and, and he saw the angels. He saw the supernatural, but still he was a, he was trying in himself to overcome. But now when he wrestles with the angel, the angel says, all right, it's time to take you a little bit deeper in life, Jacob. Your name is actually not Jacob. Your name is actually Israel because as a prince thou hast power with God and has prevailed. Hallelujah. It took a wrestling. 
It took someone that maybe didn't know he was able to wrestle with God. He didn't know he was able to overcome the angel of God. He didn't know that he had more authority than an angel of God. Brother Brown says, what has more authority than an angel of God? He says, a son of God has more authority than an angel of God. And sometimes they go, oh, if I saw an angel, oh, if I saw this, I saw, maybe the angels are saying, oh, if I saw a son. Hallelujah. Oh, I'd like to wrestle with one like Jacob did. Like the angel so-and-so wrestled with Jacob. Wouldn't that be wonderful? There's an angel looking out for you. Say, I want to wrestle with this one. I want to see him prevail. I want to see how much power he really has. These mighty angels ready to wrestle with the sons of God in prayer. The daughters of God in prayer. Some of that will go on their knees and say, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I love the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew chapter 15. Verse 22. I'm going to go quickly through some scriptures here. Just for some examples. You know, I think this woman came prepared. She was not going to go away empty-handed. This woman was ready to wrestle. Maybe not physically. But to wrestle with her attitude. To prevail with God. This was God who she was wrestling with. This was God's manifestation in flesh. As she come in Matthew 15 and 22, it says, Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the coast and cried unto him, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter's grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. She won't leave us alone. She is a nuisance. Just tell her to go. You know, we don't want her around. You know, sometimes people that are wrestling with God are not the most best people to have around. They're not the most pleasant. They haven't got the most friendly demeanor. She wasn't letting go, just like Jacob wasn't letting go. She's not going anywhere. But he answered and cried, I or answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me, help me. But he answered and said, it's not meek to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. I love this next scripture. She said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I'll tell you what, when that, when that scripture became real to me, because it's not truth, Lord, it's truth, master. It's truth, master. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. You know what she's saying? She's saying, and for those of you who have never heard me preach this before, it's just, I may be a dog, but I'm your dog. Hallelujah. That's maybe all that I am, but I'm yours. And as the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table, I'm just asking from a, for a crumb from my master's table. That's all I'm asking for. Don't, I'm not asking for something big. It'll just take a crumb to heal my daughter. Jesus said, it's not me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. She says, but the dogs can have the crumbs. And if you just give me a crumb, it'll be sufficient for my daughter. She was wrestling. She was prevailing with Jesus. Amen. Who said, you know what? I, I don't think I'm going to do anything for her. Uh, I'll tell you what. 
I, I read an article or a headline of some fellow that said, see, even Jesus was racist. Quoting this scripture. And I, I said, what? I, and the guy went on to say, said she, was from, she wasn't a Jew, so he wasn't going to do anything for her. I thought, oh, mercy. What a carnal age we are living in. What a carnal age we are living in. That's got nothing to do with racism. He knew what was in her and he knew how to trigger the faith that was within her as she wrestled and God allows us to wrestle. And we might say, why doesn't he answer us? Why doesn't he hear us? Why doesn't he come on the scene right now? Because he's waiting for you to strike the right channel. Just like Hannah, she was waiting year after year after year to have the child. He was waiting for the right channel. When she came to the right channel and said, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. God says, there it is. She wrestled year after year and I've been waiting for her to give me her firstborn son and now she's done it and now she'll have it. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. He knows more than we do. He allows us to wrestle with him because he knows we shall prevail. Amen. He says, oh woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. In Luke chapter 18. In verse 1 he says. He spake a parable unto this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's a reality. He's, Jesus is speaking this parable. We ought always to pray. Don't give up. That's what faint means. Don't give up. Don't get let. Don't get weakened. Always, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in the city, and she came to him saying, "Avenge me of mine adversary." And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, "Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because the widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming." She weary me. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? In other words, God will fulfill his word even though it seems like a long time. Because he wants his children to be in constant communion with him. Knowing that our strength comes from him. Our answers in the word are fulfilled by him. It's not because I can quote the quotes. It's not because I can memorize the promises. It's not because I have some kind of an understanding. But it's my relationship with him. Crying unto him day and night. Being in communion with him day and night. Praying, as the Bible says, without ceasing. Without giving up. Constantly holding it before him. That's the attitude of the believer. He said, But then he goes on to say, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. That's the age we're living in right now. 
When the Son of Man, the revealing of the Son of Man, will he find faith on the earth? Not just people quoting quotes, not just people going to church, not just people having some kind of a surface level Christianity, but will he actually find faith? The reason that people in this world are so scared of this COVID, they're so full of fear, they're so, there's so many things. And I'm not saying it's not real. That's a real virus that's out there. And all of those things and, and, and the reason the world is so uh, terrified of what's going on over in India. They, they, they have 3,700 people dying every day. Every day. And, and, uh, uh, now they have a huge population and that, that's part of the reason why. But the hospitals say the supplies are exhausted and everything like that. But this, the question is not, when the Son of Man comes, will he find enough hospital rooms? It's not when the Son of Man comes, will he find enough oxygen supplies? It's not when the Son of Man comes will he find a government that makes the right decisions. Forget about the government. Forget about the hospitals. Forget about the emergency supplies. Put your faith in God. Hallelujah. He alone gives the answer. And stay there wrestling with him until your faith prevails, overcomes. But will he find faith on the earth? Well, outside of the bride, there doesn't seem to be any. The every, every, this is an age of people's rights. I'm coming up to a close here. This is an age where everyone feels like they're a victim. But I love this woman with the unjust judge. She refused to accept victimhood. She says, no, I'm going to get an answer. No, there is going to be a vengeance here. There is going to be an answer to my situation. Amen. She refused to accept that she was a victim. I don't care what you're going through. You might be accept, you might have some kind of sickness. Refuse to be a victim. Amen. Are you with me? The spirit of this age says you're a victim. Everybody's a victim. Everybody's got some problem. I'll tell you what. They might have problems. We got answers. That's all I can say. My faith says there's a promise. My faith said God is a reality. My faith says if I just stay before God, He's got to fulfill His word in my life because I am His child. Hallelujah. I am the one that He's called to live the word in this age. Oh my. She can, she was there. You know, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, let me just change gears as we come to a close. I was thinking about them. They're the, of course, Jesus had been crucified, resurrected. All of these questions are going through their minds. You might have questions about the message. And you might have questions about the end time. You might have questions about the rapture. You might have questions like I do. Why are we still here in 2021? You might have questions. I don't know the answer to that question. All I can say is, is what's generally true, and that is we're looking for the last predestinated seed. There must be more souls to come in, and that's why we're laboring to find those souls. That's why we're putting in the effort. And, and uh, But still, you know, they, there, there are questions, and the disciples had questions as they're walking on the road to Emmaus. And in Luke chapter 24, it says, And then Jesus begins to explain to them, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh to the village, whither they went. They had a destination in mind. They thought, well, we're leaving here, we're going there. 
All right? They drew not to the village where they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. All right? Nice talking to you, brothers. We'll see you another time. It says, but they constrained him. They constrained him. No, don't leave me here. Don't leave us here. Come in with us. They constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's, with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. They prevailed on him. You know what? You've got answers that we need. And it can only come if you stay with us. It can only come if you spend more time with us. Are you in the word? Are you in prayer? Constrain him. Lord, I believe the answers are in this message. Show us the answers. Lord, I believe uh, the, the wisdom that comes from above is in your word. Reveal it to me. Show it to me. Show me what I need for my situation. Constrain him. Lord, I need you. It's not just my own figuring it out. Lord, I need a supernatural touch from the eternal that will reveal to me the mysteries as they pertain to me individually for my personal life. Constrained him. In Acts chapter 16, we find the woman Lydia. I was thinking of her. How that... You know, Paul speaks highly of her. I was going to do some more studying on her, but I run out of time. And, but it says when she was baptized in verse 15, it says her and her household. It says Luke is writing this. He says, she besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Doesn't mean she was belligerent or, or angry or anything like that. No, she constrained them. No, please. You've led me to the Lord. You've baptized me. Now teach me. Now show me the ways of God. Obviously, you know the way of God. I see God in your life. You know, sometimes that's sometimes how we have to constrain God wrestling with one another. In that, you know, it's nice to talk. It's nice to visit. It's nice to talk about the job. It's nice to talk about something. But we need to wrestle a little bit deeper or constrain a little bit deeper and say, you know what? There's something of God in this individual that I want to receive. If we can actually look at one another the way God wants us to look, you say, oh, is that the way God wants us to look? The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that a mature church coming to the full stature of Christ, every member supplies to the body. There's a supply from each and every one into the body. And so there's something that can be gained to, to stay in the right attitude towards one another. She, she constrained them. This word constrain is an interesting word. The reason I wanted to close with it is because the same word is used in Matthew 11 and verse 12. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. The same word constrained on the road to Damascus, Lydia constraining Paul and the, and, the, and the men that were with him. Now it says, Jesus saying regarding John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. Have you constrained the kingdom of heaven? Have you, have you launched an assault on the kingdom of heaven by your prayers? 
Have you gone out into a supernatural realm? I say that's, that's sometimes why many of us don't have what we need is because we haven't entered into a realm of prayer where we can actually prevail. But God has that for you. God has that for you. In Luke 16, the word is also used. And, and it says, Jesus speaking to them saying you can't serve two masters in verse 13 no servant can serve two masters he'll either hate the one or love the others he's speaking to the pharisees he's saying you know on the outside you look like you're serving god but really on the inside you're serving money he says you cannot serve god and mammon and the pharisees who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him and he said unto them you are they which justify yourselves before men but god knows your hearts For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. I want to ask you tonight. You cannot serve two masters. Who is your master? Would you rather have the crumbs from the master's table rather than all that Laodicea can offer you? I would. I'll tell you what. Take everything Laodicea has to offer. I've been poor. I've been... I don't even tell you where I've been. There have been times my poor children, my poor wife, but yet in the midst of all that, God was there. And that was the most important thing. You know, he says, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Listen to this now, verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presses into it. That's that same word. Constrain. Suffereth violence. You are able because God gives you the weapon to do that. The musicians can come. Brother Branham, that last scripture that I read is actually Brother Branham's opening text for the message Desperation. Brother Brown said Jesus didn't have to go out and fast all day and pray all day and then say, now I wonder if I got enough faith to do this. He was unconscious of the faith that he had. Any men or women that ever make real warriors in the kingdom of God is perfectly unconscious to their faith. See, faith is an unconscious thing. Prayer is a conscious thing, but faith is an unconscious thing. He says, he says, you keep trying to test your faith. Wonder if I got enough faith to do this. Have I got faith? He says, don't test your faith. God said so, do it anyhow. God said so. He says, have you ever had to test your faith whether you had enough faith to come to the meeting or not tonight? Did you test your faith whether you had enough faith to eat your supper tonight? Or do you think you'll have to fast and test your faith enough to see if you got enough faith to drive home tonight? Certainly not. It's just you automatically believe it. He says, and that's the way you believe healing. Believe anything that God said. Just don't fight at it and shake it and rebuke the devil every minute. Just accept it and go on. Amen. You get to the place in prayer, as Brother Brown said in one place, we don't pray to change God's mind. We pray for God to make our mind line up with His Word.
There is an answer in the word for every situation. Oh, that's the wonderful part of the word. That's the joy of the word. That's the blessing of being a Christian. We have all the answers, but we don't always understand them. But we can go to God and prevail in prayer and lay a hold of the promise and know that it's already a finished work. He says, just accept it and go on. There's nothing to be alarmed about. God said so and that settled it. So we just go ahead knowing it's going to happen. Then he says, just forget about it. God said it. That proves it. I believe it. That settles it. Amen. So so even when he's talking about prayer, he's not talking about constantly checking your faith and seeing whether your faith is enough and all those. No, he says, faith is unconscious. Faith is just there. You see it in the word of God. You lay hold of it. You prevail with God. And then you just walk on with God saying, Lord, you promised it. Lord, I asked. Lord, I laid everything there. I turned over every stone in my life. Everything's a finished work. Lord, I just believe it. I'm walking on with you. Then he then he actually says, just forget about it. Hallelujah. Some things are not easy to forget about. But he says, just forget about it. Just walk on with God. Amen. One last place, and that's desperation. I wonder if you could just just play they that wait upon the Lord. That would be a good one. Now you Christians tonight, he says in the message desperation. You're in the line of duty. Trying to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He says, and a cancer grabs you. Or death grabs you. The cancer, tubercular, whatever it is in the line of duty. You have the same right that Peter had. Lord, save me or I'll perish. He's talking about Peter walking on the water. He's believing, but then he gets his eyes on the waves. He gets his eyes on the storm. The Michael preached on the storm, I think. And, you know, you get looking at the storm that's going on around you. And pretty soon you forget it was Jesus that said, come and walk on the waves. But he says, no matter if you're in the line of duty and something grabs you, he says, could be cancer, tubercular, could be anything, any kind of sickness, any kind of thing. Something grabs you. It looks like something's going sideways in your life. He says, you have a right to cry out to Jesus. Lord, save me or I'll perish. Amen. Jesus had come walking on the water and had bid Peter to come out on the water. And and Peter was all excited for a season. But after a while, the storm seemed too big. But now in the midst of falling, he was in the, he realized I'm in the center of where I'm supposed to be. Even though I'm, I maybe stumble, I maybe fall. Let me finish that, that quote. Brother Bram says some wonderful things about it. He says, Whatever it is in the line of duty, you have the same right that Peter said. In desperation, he called out and a hand reached and picked him up. And you have the same thing. But he screamed out, save me, Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe you want to scream out tonight, save me, Lord. Maybe you want to take a need before the Lord and say, save me, Lord. Maybe after this service is over. You know, don't go to God just haphazardly. Don't don't make it just a, a five-minute prayer says, well, you know, I prayed for five minutes and nothing really happened. No, when you go to God to prevail, you lay everything else aside. I, I admire a young man one time. 
He had a, a disease in his body that he couldn't overcome. The doctor said it's not a curable disease. And, and, and he, was, he was telling me one time he went out in the wilderness. He says he, and he got down to pray. He says, Lord, you're either going to heal me or I'm going to die right here. I'm not talking about Brother Brown's time. I'm not talking about some other time. I'm just talking about a few years ago. And he said, Brother Tim, I stayed there. He says, and something happened. God met me there. He says, and I got up from there. He says, and I went to the doctor. And they ran another test on me. And he said, it's not there anymore. Hallelujah. To them it's incurable. But the young man prevailed with God. I'll tell you what, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You meet God on the terms of prevailing with Him, and God will meet you there. You take a hold of the angel. doesn't matter what it is. I'm not talking about a baby bubble dancing here in the message no more. I'm talking about real sons and daughters of God. It says, I know whom I have believed. I know that He's able to meet that which I've committed unto Him against that day. I know He's my God, and I will prevail with Him. He has called me to be an overcomer, and I will fulfill that Scripture. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. They that wait upon the Lord. Amen. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Teach me, Lord, to wait. Down on my knees, till in your own time, you
Musicians continue to play. Brother Brown goes on, he says, Now we find out that in sinking, God heard him. In the line of duty, he started to sink. He failed. No matter if you fail, that don't have nothing to do with it. We all fail. We're a failure to begin with. But we got somebody standing now with a strong hand who can reach out, reach us and take us above the water. He says, if you've made a mistake, some woman made a mistake, some man made a mistake, some boy, girl made a mistake. Don't sink. Scream out in despair. Lord, save me or I'll perish. Get desperate about it, he says. God will hear you. He always hears a desperate soul. That's what I'm trying to tell you about. That's his last words before he goes to prayer in the message desperation. That's what I'm trying to tell you about. Don't look at your mistakes. You failed. We all fail. Don't look at that. Cry out to him. He's given us a weapon. Cry out to him. He's given us this opportunity to prevail in prayer won't you just take him up on it tonight say Lord I'm coming to you Heavenly Father Lord you see your children tonight maybe this entire service Lord was just for one person that maybe went through a rough time has been going through a rough week has had a rough trial has been in difficulty Lord it feels like maybe they're sinking Maybe the pressure of the age, the anxiety of this moment, and the the fears that are circling in the storm that's going around about us. But it's like you have put us in the eye of the storm, where it's peaceful, where it's still, oh God. That we can reach out to you and say, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I'm reaching out to you tonight. You said if I cry unto you that you would hear my cry. And Lord, you hear the cry of your children tonight. Lord, may you just come down and visit that one person. If it's for that one person, oh God, and let them know I'm going to take you out of that situation. I'm going to loose you from that bondage. I'm going to break the chains of your captivity. I'm going to touch your mortal body. For prayer looses that healing virtue that was sent 2,000 years ago. It's a finished work. And prayer reaches out to that virtue that was sent by those stripes. We are healed. Lord, we claim it in the name of Jesus Christ. We're believing, Lord, for every promise. We're accepting, Lord, every divine promise as we stand in your divine presence tonight. We're learning to lean on our Lord Jesus Christ. This world has nothing to offer us. Medical science has failed. The governments have failed. 
the best plans of men have fallen by the wayside. But Lord, you've given us a weapon to defeat every enemy. It doesn't take a minister, though we're happy to pray with anybody that needs prayer. Lord, it doesn't take a, a deacon, or it doesn't even take a man, it could be a woman, it could be a boy, it could be a girl, just to get serious with God and prevail in prayer. Lord, may you pour that faith into every life this evening. May you take something in this simple, simple message on prayer tonight and anchor it down into the heart of your children. We commit it to you in Jesus Christ's wonderful name. Sad, broken hearted at an altar. Same song. I knelt. I found peace that is so serene. And all that he asked is a childlike trust. And a heart that is learning to lead. Oh, I'm learning to lead. I'm learning to lead. I'm learning to lead on Jesus. Henry, if you're listening tonight, you're leaning on him. He'll never fail you. Brother Milko, if you're listening tonight, just lean on him. Sister Bad, Brother John, we see you there leaning on him tonight. We're all leaning on him. We're all learning more and more every day to learn to lean on the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't he wonderful? Amen. God bless you. God anchor his word within your heart, be it ever so simple, as we just lean on on our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.